So one of the questions I get most frequently about the farm is how do I figure out what to do on the farm? Like, you know, stepping back, right? Like, how do I figure out that today is going to be the day that I install fencing or today is going to be the day that I repair a water line or today is going to be the day that I revamp the doors for the hoop coop so that they open and close better in the winter? Like all of those things, like how do I figure out what needs to be done and how do I then decide what gets done and how do I keep myself organized and and kind of somewhat sane given all the various plates I have spinning as I try to run this farm and make videos about this farm and record podcasts like this about this farm. It's one of those questions that I get over and over again in the comments of videos or people send me emails really asking me to break it all down. Today, what I'm going to do is actually give you that full breakdown and that full picture of how do I get things done here on the farm. Now, before I launch into a topic like this, I think it is absolutely critical that I disclose something that is not insignificant. And that disclosure is, I am a complete and utter mess. Like, I am disorganized, I am sloppy, I am downright abusive when it comes to farm equipment and maintenance tasks. I drive my wife insane with my disorganization and chaos. It's arguably one of the biggest things that we argue about in our marriage. Actually, I shouldn't even say it's arguably. It is unquestionably the biggest thing that we argue about in our marriage. And it comes down to the fact that that's just how I've always been. Like when I was a little kid, I was one of those kids who would like get us piece of paper from the teacher that I had to bring home to my parents and I would just shove it in my book bag and hope and pray that I somehow remember to have my parents sign that permission slip or review that report card or whatever it needed to be. Like I was that kid who would just, yeah, raw dog toss it into the backpack. And my desk in school was always a mess. My papers were always dog-eared. I struggled when teachers started to teach us things like how to take notes and such. I was a mess as a kid, and I continue to be a mess as an adult. And for the longest time, I thought that's just how I was. My mom would always give me hell for not being organized and not having my act together. My teachers would chastise me and give me a lot of crap for it. And it was arguably one of those things that would always pop up like in the comments of a report card where it's Morgan is very intelligent and bright and has a lot of energy, but he's also very, very disorganized. And this causes his problems for his schoolwork. And that like that sort of comment was a consistent thing that I would get from teachers over and over and over again. And a lot of folks would say hearing this now oh, wow, that sounds like you're a kid who had ADHD, and that is true. But I really went through my entire childhood, and and it really wasn't until I was in my 20s that I actually got diagnosed with ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, And that, learning that fact was something that was very much life-changing for me because it put a lot of my behaviors and habits and flaws in a very different context other than, hey, there's something wrong with me. It was like a label that I could assign to the thing that was wrong to me. And there was a lot of advice and resources out there to help people like me, oftentimes by people like me. And so 
while some folks might say that like the diagnosis of ADHD is a crutch that, you know, is just dished out to this younger generation. And back in the day, people didn't have to deal with that. And it's kind of crazy, but I actually see a lot of value in that diagnosis. And when it comes to how do I run things on the farm and think about things, acknowledging that is kind of the first step for me. Because when you look at somebody with ADHD, there are some very clear and distinct weaknesses and challenges that a condition like that and being sort of neurodivergent in that way can create for some folks. And then there are also some superpowers that come out of that. And, and oftentimes when you look at most of the weaknesses alongside those superpowers, they are essentially different sides of the same coins. So for example, folks with ADHD are often known for their impulsivity. But on the upside, what folks with ADHD are also known for is the fact that they are just outstanding when it comes to making rapid decisions. Similarly, folks with ADHD are often seen as hyperactive. But the flip side of that is folks with ADHD tend to have more energy than the average person. And so it becomes a powerful force for getting a lot of things done. Folks with ADHD struggle with focusing and prioritizing. And it's probably one of my biggest weaknesses where it's like I can just ping and bounce from thing to thing to thing. And getting that focus is very, very difficult. But the superpower of it is if I can get in the zone, and, and I often talk about it as a flow state, um, I can just absolutely crush something like nobody's business. I could sit down at this computer and just start editing for six hours and really only get up to pee. And I can be so content in doing something like that. I can be out in the pasture working on a fence. And if I'm in the zone and if I'm in my flow state, it's a pretty powerful thing where four hours could pass by and I don't even notice because I've just been so hyper-focused on the work that I've been doing. You know, there's a, a psychologist from back in the day, I think I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's uh, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah, I think it's Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. And uh, he really pioneered a lot of the research and, and writing about the idea of a flow state. And it was a concept that I was introduced to in a, a psychology course in college even before I was diagnosed with ADHD. But when I heard that and learned that concept, it became something I would focus on, on, on trying to attain to get things done. And so, yes, that difficulty focusing weakness has that strength of hyperfocus. And then the idea of, shoot, I got something here. See, the, the distractibility is actually exactly one of those things that is a problem for folks with ADHD. But you know what the other side of that distractibility is? It's actually creativity. When I think about some of my personal strengths and the things that I'm good at versus the things that I'm bad at, I, I consider myself a relatively creative person, whether it's you know coming up with ideas for how to market things here on the farm or how to tell a story or talk about something or just even a novel solution to a much treaded upon problem. I think that creativity is one of my strengths. But it is a flip side of the fact that I am super, super distractible. And like any little thing that can pop up can take my attention away from the thing that I might be less than excited to deal with. And now in some instances, if I was like a painter, that might like a not a house painter, but like an artist painter, that might be a fine way to operate. And I can just go from day to day in my studio working on the things that I care about, ignoring the things that I don't. 
But when you're running a farm, you can't do that. When you have the number of animals under your care and responsibility that we have here at our farm, you can't just be distracted from the things that you don't care about or animals can wind up sick or dead or escaped and you have to be accountable and you have to be responsible for those animals and distractibility can be a liability. But even before I got into doing the farm, I had to force myself to find systems and approaches that would help me manage my life. You know, before I moved up here to Vermont and before I, you know, started the farm and before I started making videos about the farm, I actually had like a, I don't know, 20 plus year career where I was working in the insurance and investment and banking worlds, working as a marketing person or marketing executive, speechwriter, you know, did a number of things like that over the years. And so to do those types of jobs, I couldn't just be at the whim of my ADHD either. And so I needed to create a system. And that system that I set up, I don't know, probably around when I was age 30 or so, is something that I continue to run with to this day in various ways, shapes, and forms. It has morphed and changed as my life has morphed and changed, but some of the fundamentals still exist. Without these things, I've had some really bad stuff happen in my life. So for example, I've had you know, situations where I was on the verge of being fired from jobs because I was so disorganized, so distractible, and so much struggle with prioritization. And, and you know, that was like an example. Or, oh my gosh, you should have seen my credit score in my 20s because I just couldn't bear to open the mail and deal with mail that came into my mailbox. I would just ignore bills. Not that I didn't even have the money to pay the bills. I was just I don't know, just not prioritizing something like that. And then the amount of things that I lost when it came to like, I don't know, doing my taxes and, and receipts and forms and I don't know, 1099s and all that business, it created some real problems for me as well. And so, yes, by the time I was about 30, I got focused on trying to find a way to get things done. And, and that's actually when I discovered a system called Getting Things Done uh, by a guy by the name of David Allen. And now getting things done, I think some folks have talked about it a little bit as a cult, and I do not consider myself a getting things done purist nor cultist. I'm not going to these weird seminars that they have and all that stuff. I, I don't do that. But there are some foundational principles with the getting things done system that I have found invaluable both in my you know professional career prior to the farm, but I've also adapted them and made them a core part of how I work here on the farm. And I think that that first core principle that pops up when it comes to getting things done and how it works is, for me, you have this concept of an inbox. When a given day, you can be bouncing from thing to thing and you're in the midst of stuff and your hyper-focus is going. And so it can be hard to deal with those incoming things that come your way. And the inbox becomes the quick triage way to deal with it. So the principle of the inbox is this. You have one place where you capture and record all of the new requests and things that you have to tackle and deal with. So for some people, it's actually keeping a physical list and they have like a, a getting things done notebook and there's like all sorts of things you can like articles you can find on the internet talking about that. But for me, I actually have used Evernote, the, the, the platform Evernote for a pretty gosh darn long time. And only recently in the last, I don't know, six months or so, I've actually shifted to a new app. But the idea would be I had this one Evernote folder or notebook 
where I would take anything I got, whether it be an email or just something I had to remember to pick up at the store or whatever, and I would just toss it all into my inbox. And that gave me the luxury of not having to try to remember it and keep it all up in my brain, but actually having a place that I could go to and review all the new incoming requests. I have this habit of once a day I go and visit my inbox and I go through and look at all the new items that I have and I organize them. And I never let anything sit in that inbox for longer than 24 hours. And I make it a point to go through once every 24 hours and reorganize my inbox. Um, most of the time that usually happens first thing in the morning. In the summer months, I actually find it happens at the end of the day. Um, it's one of those weird things where, you know, in the summer months here on the farm, I'm often going outside when I first wake up because the sun's already up or sun's already coming up. But as we get now towards the fall and the sun's starting to come up later and later, I'm actually shifting to where I'm doing all my prep stuff first thing in the morning again. And so just know that a little bit of this for me, given the nature of the farm, is season dependent. But regardless, it happens once a day. And then I sort of stick with that pattern for a good long while. And so once I'm in there and I'm doing my review of the inbox, typically what I'm doing is I'm trying to prioritize. If an action takes me less than three minutes, I just try to do it right then and there. And, and it's just a quick way to just check something off and just be done with it. it. If it takes more than three minutes, I figure out what I have to do with it. I pass it off to somebody else. Like I might need to ask my wife for something or I might need to ask somebody who's doing some work for me to do something and I'll like send them a quick note or an email or it will come in the form of me assigning the task to myself and then I'll take it and I'll be very clear on the next thing I have to do with it and I'll put it in this other notebook that I have called actions and so those actions become the basis for the things that I'm going to then go do over the course of the day, week, month. And I'll usually assign like a time when it needs to be done by. And so sometimes that's arbitrary. Sometimes that's driven by, you know, a deadline of some sort. And then sometimes it's one of those things when I just try to take a best guess and I'll just revisit it later if I need to adjust because nothing's ever truly written in stone. The second thing I do when I'm doing this daily inbox review is I'm going through my actions folder and I'm kind of flagging and starring the things that I'm going to try to tackle that day. And I make my batting order and my list and I sort of prioritize them from the most important to the least important. And, and I get ready to kind of go out there and do that. The other thing I'm often doing is I'm like tagging and associating it with like kind of a time and place or context. So for example, if it's work that I need to be in front of the computer for, I, I have a computer tag. If it's stuff that's around the farm, I have just a farm tag. If it's like I'm out running errands and I got to go pick something up at the store, I have a out and about tag. And, and it's like that sort of thing so that when I have time to fill or when I'm in the middle of, of doing something in one of those places, I can check my actions list and say, oh, I got to remember to send that email or I have to go pick up uh, a new mineral block for the cattle or, you know, whatever it might be. And so I'm typically doing that. That structure becomes the core of it. And then the other thing I have are uh, projects and little folders for each project that I have where, you know, a project to, to me and project for most people who are following like the getting things done system is like something that requires like more than one action to be done. So for example, buying a mineral block at the store so that I can give it to my cattle while you could technically break it into micro steps, 
the big battle is just making sure I remember that the next time I'm at the feed store, I'm buying the mineral block. And so it, it like it doesn't have a lot of steps to it. So it's just it's a quick action. But for example, I just installed a brand new fence cutting across my pasture, the upper pasture that had like eight different steps to it between, you know, measuring things out, making sure I had the materials, you know, putting in the corners, putting in the bracing, putting in the posts, running the high tensile wire. Like each of those steps was a step in the project for, you know, putting a new fence in the upper pasture. And so like, for example, last week, that's where I spent a lot of my time working on that project. And so I was kind of each day going through one of those major steps. I don't want to make this whole podcast a, a getting things done podcast, but yes, getting things done has been an organizing system for me to at least keep track of all the moving pieces. Like I said, I do a daily review and then I also do like a weekly review where I'm really, really cleaning things up and organizing folders and looking a little bit more big picture versus the daily review, which is just purely triage and like managing things through the day. But what I found is it lets me focus on the things that need to be done and it avoids uh, me having to deal with um, things slipping through the cracks. And it works really, really well with my ADHD personally because it's an opportunity for me to look at where things are at. It lets me make rapid decisions. It lets me match my activities for that day with my energy and where I'm at. And it forces me to be focused on the things that require focusing and avoid some of that distractibility. And so in, in that way, it, it's I think works really well. I think one of the drawbacks is I can sometimes be a little bit too day to day. And sometimes I can just ignore a bigger project for weeks and weeks because I keep sort of just pushing it off just a little bit further to focus on other things that have popped up. And so I think it, it hurts me on those bigger, longer term projects. But at the same time, I think it has been actually invaluable for how I've managed the farm and gotten things together. And so that's one component of it. But the other component of it is, and this is one that I don't just do with myself, but my wife Allison plays a really key role in this is, I have a big picture planning process. So each year on the farm, I kind of make a list of projects that I try to want to do, like things that I want to try to tackle on the farm. And, and that can be a variety of things. It can be like build a new barn, like the one that we've been building this year right in the front of the farm. Or it can be like adding a new animal, like we added pigs this year. Or it can be like smaller scale things, like my wife wants to upgrade the fencing around her garden and, and actually make her garden beds a little bit nicer. And so like all of those projects are things that I can do that are bigger picture things. Typically what I'm doing is like when I get into the fall, so not quite there yet, but once I process all my geese and like I have a lot less animals on the farm and things are chilling out and the cattle might not be grazing in the upper pasture anymore. Like once I start to get to that stage where I'm going from like full on summer mode, where I'm just sprinting from the thing to thing to thing, I start to think about, well, what do I want to do for next year? And, you know, one early example of that is, and I don't think I've really talked too much about this publicly yet, but hey, I'll do it here in this podcast. One of the things I'm strongly considering is adding sheep to the farm next year. I'd been bouncing around between maybe do I do a dairy cow or maybe I do sheep. And one of the conclusions that I've come to over the course of this summer has been 
you know, one of my favorite activities on the farm is working with my cattle and moving them on pasture and just dealing with grazing ruminants. Like I just genuinely enjoy it. And it is one of those farming activities that makes me happiest. If I want to expand out my farm business, I feel like I have a choice right now between do I just add more cattle and just keep expanding that herd to a much larger size or do I diversify further and add another ruminant, particularly going with a ruminant like sheep? And since I have, you know, a little bit of experience with sheep, mostly just farm sitting for friends, I feel like it's an opportunity for me to try to dive in and explore what could be done. And, and so what I'm considering doing right now, and I say considering because this is not locked in, but what I'm considering doing is getting a handful of sheep to raise next year and much like I did sort of a trial run with the pigs this year, do a trial run with the sheep and say, do I like working with them or do I hate them as an animal? And like, like, where are my feelings at? And then once I have that information, I actually am going to try to make some longer term decisions with the farm around how I scale some, some things up. And, and to really be clear about it, it, it really is the farm going in, in two different directions. Either one, I'm raising sheep and cattle together and I'm trying to always like balance out my flirt. Uh, which is a you know portmanteau of flock and herd, or do I just scale up my cattle and do I focus exclusively on cattle? I don't have enough information to make that decision, but in order to have enough information to make that decision, I know that I'm going to need to know what do I want to do with those sheep. And so that's how I'm getting to this place of saying, yeah, I think next year I want to raise sheep and just give it a shot. So, so that's an example of a bigger picture project that's going to go on the list. And typically what will happen is in, say, January or February, my wife Allison and I will sit down and we'll look at the list and we'll, you know, over the span of a couple of weeks, talk about it and have a number of conversations about it and really come to an alignment on the big picture plan for the farm and where things are heading. Because while I am the one who's doing most of the farm work here we both have to live on this farm and the farm life is about both of us. And so it's something I feel like we have to be making as a joint decision around where's the direction of the farm. And so, you know, typically in those early next year months, we're making those decisions so that by the end of February, we have a pretty solid plan and list of, Hey, here are all the things we want to try to get done this year by doing it that way. It gives us this opportunity to get aligned on the big picture prioritization. And once I have that big picture plan, I now have a, a picture where I can start to look at a calendar and flesh things out kind of month to month and week to week on here are the things that I'm going to tackle. And so, for example, what that then looks like is I might be saying, oh, in, in May, like this is actually right from what I did for 2023. I knew that in May, I needed to complete all of the upper pasture fencing, so actually April and May, I should say, complete all of the upper pasture fencing and make sure that it was fully ready to go so that I could move my cattle up to the upper pasture and that would be where I grazed them this year. I also knew that either in April or May, I wanted to add pigs. And so that meant in early April, I had to complete a training yard for where I could raise my pigs. It, just a matter of like having that list was really important. Like even now, I knew I wanted to put this cross fence into the pasture. And so I decided to do it for August. And, you know, it, it's actually something that hit. One of my plans was to develop a spring that we have out in our swamp. I actually ended up having to take that off of the monthly plan for July and push that back. 
and I'm going to try to tackle it in like late August and early September as a way to try to develop that spring so that I have an additional source of water for my cattle. But because of the rain and the weather that we've had this summer, that area is such a swamp that I, I couldn't even walk in there without going up to my upper thigh in mud. And so it's just completely impractical right now to try to develop that area as a spring for supplying me with fresh water. And so I pushed it off in July because of all the flooding, and I've even been pushing it off in early August. And it looks like I'll have a little bit of time in late August and September to try to tackle it. That's another example of like something where I need to be a little bit nimble and prioritize, but having that big picture plan and then having that month to month plan helps me then adjust my week to week plan. And I'm looking at my list for here's what I got to go. So for example, um, in three weeks time, I'm just looking at my schedule here in three weeks time, I know that I have to actually be ready to load up for hay for the winter for my cattle. And so I have to have my area cleared out. I have to have my winter cattle yard reset. And so that's on my list for the next couple of weeks as well, given the fact that I have like a hay delivery date in, in September. So again, I think this is giving you that picture. And then what happens is when I look at that monthly and weekly plan, which is always kind of written in pencil, each day, whether it's, you know, in the summertime, it's at night, in the, in the wintertime, it's usually in the morning, I'm actually going through and saying, okay, here's the stuff I'm going to do today. And I make my list and I'm matching those new incoming priorities that just sort of pop up that have been in my inbox with my bigger picture long-term plans. And I try to make those things mesh. Now for me, that's completely imperfect. And, and sometimes it works out great. And other times it is a miserable, miserable failure. But I don't know. It's how I'm keeping sane and it's how I'm managing things. I, I sometimes wonder about what can I do differently and, and what could be the next evolution of all of this. And I'm actually starting to experiment with some of that. Like, for example, I mentioned earlier that I've been using Evernote for years as my system of organization. And I've actually started to, to separate it out because, I don't know, number one, I don't like Evernote as much as I used to. I feel like they haven't put as much into developing it and making it as useful as it could be. I find that I have so much stuff in Evernote that it sometimes becomes an opportunity for distraction. And so these days I'm using Evernote as like my storage and filing system, but there's an app called Things that I'm now using as like my quick prioritization and inbox system. And it, it seems like it's actually been working out pretty well. I know that there's other platforms and I'm probably gonna get a bunch of emails and, and messages from folks about like, oh, you should be using Notion or ClickUp or all these other things, or you should just go back to a simple like paper calendar system. But for me, I actually find that the, the one device I always have on my hand is my phone. And so having something that works with my phone and is like can be rooted in my phone as quick triage as well as quick reference is really important, as well as having something that's not such a powerful project management platform that I get lost in all the details. For example, Notion is one I've looked at before and I've experimented with a little bit and trying to say, hey, let me see if this works. I've also done the same thing with ClickUp, but like I found that it was such a powerful project management tool that it was just like too much for me. And, and the reason I like this Things app that I've been using lately is because it's just so simple and stripped down. And it's just about setting like lists and deadlines, which when it comes to my prioritization of actions, as well as like stuff I'm waiting for, it's all I need. And, and sometimes the simplest solution is the best solution. And particularly for somebody who has as distractible as I am, that can be a, a challenge. 
Now, so far, I've talked a lot about how I manage things and get things done when it comes to the actual farm work. But I know another question people have is like, how do I decide what I'm going to post on social media and what I'm going to put out there and all that stuff? And honestly, my farm calendar and my social media content calendar are, are kind of fused together because typically what I have is the stuff I'm doing on the farm becomes the videos that I'm making and posting. And so, you know, yes, like, for example, on my YouTube videos, I have a plan where, you know, every week or so I'm going through and updating my calendar and figuring out, all right, here's what the next couple of videos are going to be, or here's like a parking lot of a bunch of video ideas that I have. And, and that's typically how I'm going about it. When it comes to things like TikTok or Instagram or that sort of thing, it's a little bit more episodic, but that content calendar, particularly for YouTube, is really how I drive a lot of the work. The, the important thing about that too, though, is sometimes it just sort of follows my passion and my interest. So for example, I've been really excited about trying to get back into podcasting, which is here how I'm recording this episode for you this morning. And we happen to have the rain falling pretty hard here this morning on the farm. And so since I couldn't shoot the video I had planned because it would just be a mess trying to shoot the thing that I was going to do with the pigs outside... What I'm going to do instead is just record this episode, and, and so that's how you ended up with this. It really does try to balance that ability that I have with hyper-focus with my passion as well as my energy level, and it forces me to make some rapid decisions. So again, it's sort of playing within the construct of my ADHD and, and really trying to make that work for me versus work against me. Which, zooming back for anyone who has been listening to me ramble for this past half hour about how I get things done on the farm, what I will say to you is this. If you're struggling to figure out how to get things done and struggling for a system, here are a couple of tips that I have. I think number one is know yourself. Know who you are. Know what works for you. Know what doesn't work for you. And whatever you do, don't try to adopt anybody's system rigidly and force it upon yourself. Because I think, number one, you're going to be unhappy with it. And number two, you're not going to stick with it. Because if you hate your organization system and if you're constantly working against it and having to fight your own instincts about using it, it's not going to work for you. You need something that for you becomes as natural as, I don't know, any other habits that you might have. And so, you know, number one, I'd encourage you to know who you are. And then number two, do some exploration and find systems that work for you and feel very natural and intuitive for you. If something is so rigid and so difficult for you to implement, I guarantee you, you're not going to use it for more than a month. Like it's just, it's an inevitable thing. It's just how humans work. And so, Find a way to work within your natural default approach. So for me, for example, I'm actually very disciplined when it comes to having certain routines and habits and rituals. And so I've built my organization system to work around my ability to have routines and rituals. And so like that's just part of how I get things done. I think that the other piece of advice that I would suggest for folks is give yourself grace. You know, I screw my system up all the time. I fall out of practice and have to kind of push myself to get back into the mode. So I know that might sound like a little bit of a contradiction to the previous point I made, but the reality is nobody's perfect and don't beat yourself up. Don't be cruel to yourself. Don't be mean 
if you are not doing as well as you could from an organization perspective. And and that's something that I used to be horrible to myself about it. Like I would, the amount of self-talk, like negative self-talk I would give myself around like, oh, you're such an idiot. How could you lose that? How could you forget that? How could you be this? How and it was like this internal voice from like the meanest possible parent I could ever imagine. Like I would hit myself with that and it didn't do any good for me at all. And the more that I just gave up on that and, and more I tried to self-talk myself in terms of a way of, of just being understanding and, and motivating, um, it made it virtually easier to do everything. And, and so I would encourage you to be kind to yourself, even if you're not the most organized person on this world, because yeah, we are only human. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of me talking about how I get morganized, if you will, um, and uh, how I get things done here on the farm. If you have questions or comments, leave them down below or, you know, leave them in the reviews that you guys leave. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm getting the momentum back on this podcast. So anything you can do to share this, whether it's rating it, whether it's reviewing it, wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether it's asking questions, particularly if you're listening to it on Spotify, you know, please, any of that support you can give is, is greatly appreciated and uh, will go towards uh, making more episodes and motivation for me to keep making more episodes if you're liking this stuff. And if not, or you have feedback on different ideas for episodes or questions you want answered, just let me know. I'm always curious to hear that as well. And uh, oh, by the way, just a reminder, my new book, Toby Dog of Goldshaw Farm, which I'm actually holding a print copy right here if you're watching the video version of this podcast, um, is, is available for pre-order on the Kindle right now. The audio version will be going available very, very soon, and the print version will be available September 18th. Uh, we're going to have a paperback and a hardcover edition, and so kind of any format you want, this book's going to be there. It's a novel, it's enjoyable, it's written for kids, but really anybody who likes a good animal story should enjoy it. And so you should definitely check it out. And with that, I'll be back with another episode very, very soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. But love is here, Gold Shop Fun.